yet another episode of what is now your favorite podcast, El Patio. How are you guys? It's been not a minute because now we're consistent again. So I can't even use that excuse anymore to talk to you all. Um, but for today's episode, I have a very special guest. And yes, I know I've said that many times too. <laughs> And her name is Norma Buster, and I met her because she interviewed me for her podcast, Oral Arguments, and we had a vulnerable yet fun conversation. I think I opened up so much on there if you all want to check that out soon. Um, but hey, Norma, and how are you? Hello. <laughs> thank you for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. And thank you for coming on my podcast. Um, our episode was really good and, and I thought it was like the perfect balance of like heavy, you know, touching on heavy stuff, yes. personal and also outside of ourselves, but it was a lot of fun too, you know? Yeah. I think I feel like that's part of my life, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm sure you can relate to. Definitely. <laughs> and we'll definitely dive into a lot more of that, obviously, throughout the episode. But before we dive into all of that, I ask every single guest that comes on what their patio was growing up versus what it is now. And maybe you can just give us a background on your life. Yeah. So I was like... I was thinking about this before we met today because I'm like, what was my patio? And I mean, I grew up in the suburbs of New Jersey. And so like suburban New Jersey, I guess you could say. <laughs> Although really it was just my home because as a, a Cuban-American, I wasn't allowed to. And my parents were pretty strict and like overprotective. Um, so I couldn't really like go out that much like couldn't go to friends houses throughout like when I was a, a kid and a teenager once right. I became a teenager started a little bit more but even still it was like my mom would always say you know we don't you're not one of those kids who's like always on the street you know <laughs> like and like I like we have you home and right. um but, you know, I had a really good upbringing in suburban New Jersey. And what I like about it is that there were people from everywhere, you know, from mm -hmm. every different country, like all different cultures. And now it's something that I really appreciate now that I'm older and I can see how things could have been so different if I grew up in just a different part of the United States. Um, but now I would say my patio is, is New York City. <laughs> Um, that's a big that's a big path it's a big yes. one but <laughs> um I don't know I I really I'm very close to people like within the sex positive community in New York I would say yes um I mean my my coworkers are are some of my closest friends but also just like people that I meet at like an SFW, which is like a social and sex club in okay. New York City. And I've done events there and I've gone and like just hung out there. Even on Thanksgiving, they had a little like... Love. Yeah. <laughs> uh, everybody brought, you know, food. And it's not 
just sex happening there it's like I could just sit on a couch and smoke weed and like meet new people right um and so that's what I really like and I found that the sex positive community is really I don't know I I have lost friends you know from my my life who didn't necessarily agree with like the sex positivity or like it just wasn't their thing and it was very unfortunate but I'm really thankful that there are people who like really get me now and make me feel Mm -hmm. understood and accepted right right and can you tell us for all of us that may not know what does the sex positive community like what is it like if you can give an example of what that means to you I mean, it's like, think about anything that you've ever been curious about sexually or, like, in your dating life, Mm -hmm. right? And, like, imagine telling your friends about it. How would they react? So, Mm -hmm. like, a sex-positive person is going to be non-judgmental. Okay. You know, they they might not be into the same thing, Mm -hmm. but it's all about, like being accepting and non-judgmental mm-hmm. of the other person as long as what they're wanting to do isn't hurting anybody else. Right. You know, right. so... It's consensual. Right, right. So, like, this could be people who are, like, within the kink community and love, like, BDSM um, or have different fetishes or it could be non-monogamous people. Um, there's just... Or even, like, sex workers, you know, mm-hmm. the the range is really far, and I've, it's like, my favorite dating app has been personally field, and it's, it's a sex-positive dating app, you know, and I'm not necessarily looking for something really crazy, kinky, you know, it's just mm-hmm. to go on that app and have the understanding that, hey, we're going to be open and non-judgmental here, it's a good baseline to meet people so like when I'm dating going on field a sex positive app or like app or if I'm like socializing and going to NSFW and knowing I'm gonna make lots of new friends tonight like there's a baseline understanding that you walk in with right like you have similar values and similar understanding of what you view dating as is what I'm saying viewing dating as and also what you like sexually what you don't like even if it's not like you said the specifics in terms of kinks or what people are into but you have yeah. the baseline it's like more than anything it's like an acceptance and it's knowing that like everything is normal right 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 and like just kind of walking through life with that mindset for, for me, anyway. I mean, somebody else might have a different definition of what sex positivity means. But, like, to me, we should all be sex positive. Even mm-hmm. if you're not kinky or poly mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, that doesn't matter. But to be sex positive is just open-mindedness, I think. Right, right. Okay, love. <laughs> love, and I think I'm learning so much because, obviously, I've heard... A lot of these terms from a lot of my friends, a lot of my queer friends from like grad school and college in general, but I think like throughout the years, maybe I've lost touch with understanding what that means for my different types of friends who may be into sex positivity and all of that. But I mean, it's also like, 
I think about my work. It's funny because I never had to think about like what is sex positivity, right? <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I mean, I I'm sure we'll talk about it, but like I work in victims' rights, so I work with people who have been through oftentimes some form of sexual violence, mm. and to me, sex positive. Uh, to me, victims' rights must be sex positive. And so what that means is when someone tells you they've been through something, not coming at it with any shame, no victim blaming, um, just removing the element of shame from whatever it is, Mm -hmm. Um, as well as, you know, if we're going to fight for victims of sexual violence, we should also be making sure that includes sex workers. So when I talk about sex positivity, it's like, on a personal level and then a professional level, like the attitude that I try to bring. Right, like making sure that women like that have been victims of sexual violence don't feel any shame because of something that they've done in the past. Right. That totally makes a lot of sense. So I want to backtrack a little mm-hmm. into how you went from being in a mostly conservative, traditional Cuban household, Mm -hmm. which we definitely have talked in the past, and we talked in your podcast, how both of our families growing up, it was similar. Like, I also wasn't allowed to have sleepovers. I wasn't allowed to go to strangers' house because my parents (laughs) would be like, we don't know their parents Mm -hmm. and what they're going to do to you. Like, it was very overprotective in that aspect. Um, and I mean, there's crazy people out there, so yeah. I don't always blame them. And I know we talked about this yeah. too. We have compassion for how our parents grew up. So my question would be here, how do you go from being in the traditional household to this type of new patio where you're more open, where people share your values of sexuality? Like, and I know you talked about your work. So can you tell us a little bit more about that shift and what happened when that shift? Yeah. So, yeah, I grew grew up in that home and, and I was always taught that sex was for marriage only. Right. You know, that was as long as I knew what sex was, it's only for marriage. Um and I even had a purity ring, the true love weights ring. And okay, Jonas Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> it was during that time right. when the Jonas Brothers had it, Miley Cyrus had it. So it was a Disney time. And they were like around, was like same age, you know, almost. So I was like, well, I want one too. If I'm like making this commitment anyway, like, right, I want right. the ring. It was a trend. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was very trendy. Um, but that's like the purity culture that a lot of us grew up in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as I was a teenager, I definitely started kind of like moving away from that and thinking like, okay, well, I don't think I'm going to wait till marriage. You know, I still want it to be within a relationship, but, you know, I'm not going to stick to that. And so I started dating my ex-boyfriend at 17. He was my first boyfriend mm-hmm. um, and first everything, you know. And we dated for two years, and then I broke up with him at 19, just wanting to be on my own, you know, Um, and recognizing that I was just done with the relationship, had outgrown it, and so I broke up with him, and then he started stalking me for months and threatening me and faking his own suicide and 
all of these different things to try to get my attention and like, I don't even know what else, but nothing worked. And so finally, after months, and it was actually eight years to the day, like two days ago. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So I realized that like this week I was like, wow, this, that's why my PTSD is acting up. But it was eight years um, ago that he posted my naked pictures online. Um, and he had been threatening to do that for months. Um, and then finally he did. And I found out because he had basically made a Pornhub profile, um, with my full name, my address, my phone number, all my like contact information. And so within a day, someone texted me thinking that I had made this profile and was Mm -hmm. like soliciting messages. And so Thankfully, they messaged me within a day so that I could find the profile and get everything down really quick because mm-hmm. actually Pornhub was really fast to take stuff down. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And that's not to say that they always are, but in my experience, I've right. seen them be pretty quick um, with removing content. Um, and then, yeah, but basically I was turned away at the police station. They, Even though New Jersey at the time was one of three states that had a law criminalizing the dissemination of intimate images, um, which we call image-based sexual abuse or used to be known as revenge porn, but it's kind of a problematic term. Right, right. Yeah. That reminds me of MySpace Times one. Yeah. Yeah, but like at the time when I was going through, it was the only thing I could identify with. So like I didn't really... Like, I didn't care that much, you know, but, like, now we don't, we don't use that. We didn't have the language. We didn't have the language for it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, I went to, they put me on the phone at the precinct when I was at the police station. They put me on the phone with the town judge and said, like, maybe she'll grant you a restraining order. So I talked to her on the phone and she told me that sending my pictures to one person was, like, asking for it to be on a billboard. And problematic. Yeah, yeah. Denied the restraining order. Like, this is why we don't send pictures. And um, so I I walked away feeling really just, like, hopeless. Um, And so a couple days later, my parents found Carrie Goldberg, who would become my lawyer and now my boss. Love that (laughs) storyline. It's so smooth, at least in terms of, like... I met this woman, and now I've been working there. Yeah. But I'll let you tell it. No, yeah. Because I've, you know, I've told, like, the details of this story a lot, mm-hmm. but um, basically, like, I've, I've said this part before, but I it sticks with me, is that the first thing she said to me was, I just want you to know this isn't your fault. Mm-hmm. And to have a stranger say that to me, when all she knows about me is my story. Right, right. And, like, two days earlier, the town judge told me I was asking for my pictures on a bill- to be on a billboard. So that, like, piece of, you know, the way that you react to people telling you what they've been through could really stick with them forever. Like, mm-hmm. that stays with me. But anyway, long story short, Carrie Goldberg helped me to get a lifetime restraining order, criminal charges against my ex, so I don't have to deal with my ex-boyfriend anymore. That's Thank you, Carrie Goldberg. Yes, thank you, (laughs) Carrie Goldberg. (laughs) Um, And then 
A few years later, I started working for her. So I've been at her firm for the past five years, and I work as a director of client relations. I started out doing intakes, so I've worked my way up a little bit, um, and it's it's been a journey because it's like I can't really separate the personal and the professional so much, mm-hmm. you know. Um, like, I I just knew after what I went through that I needed to do something with my experience. And so I got into this work, and I, I shared my story. And I, I've been sharing my story since I went through it. Which well, was now eight years ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when we were doing the, like, criminal stuff, which, like, took about a year, but... Um, that's when Carrie was getting interviewed by this New Yorker journalist, Margaret Talbot, and she was like, well, do you want to be a part of this profile? And I was like, sure. So I met with this journalist. She came to the sentencing day and everything, Mm. and then my story ended up being part of this New Yorker article, which was, like, a pretty big deal in terms of, like, it was one of the biggest ones at the time covering Carrie. So it was cool to be a part of that, too, Mm -hmm. and to also be able to share my story from the beginning, but also, like, I didn't feel like I was being pushed into sharing my story, if that makes sense. Like, it was all, like, in a way that made me feel really comfortable. And then over the years, I've continued sharing my story, and I've, you know, spoken on panels, and I, I write about my own life, my own experience, but also the things that I've learned through my work. Right, now having right. met with thousands of survivors. Correct. Um, and so the sex positivity is something that like came out of my, seeing how the internalized shame affected me and seeing how it affects our clients and the way that I need to be like sex positive in order to make it like safe for anyone to come to me. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I've, it's been a process over the years, and I've been more and more outspoken about, like, the sex positivity as I've learned, really. Right, right. So, well, thank you for sharing all of that. The work that you do, obviously, is very important, so I commend you. Even when I met you, too, I was like, this is such important work, and I feel like sometimes, even if you have a background in social work, but then you end up working in corporate America, these are things that if you don't read the news or you don't stay up to date with these issues, it kind of goes over your head, and you Mm kind of forget that these things happen all the time. Like you said, you've met with thousands of people. I know we spoke about the fact that you said there's people that may be also on wait lists, too, because you guys can take, you know, everyone, too. I mean, we... We will. Like, listen, course, if you have a problem we can help with, we will help you. No, no, of course. I don't want to say, like, you guys yeah, won't, yeah. but, like, it's just, I guess my point with that was going to be that that shows that it's happening a lot. Yeah, totally. And like I said, if you are in a setting where, you know, thankfully that may not happen to you or people close to you, you may not know that it's actually happening every day to thousands of women and men all throughout the world unless you are working in that setting so you have a lot of learning lessons like you said from your personal experience which I hear you and I don't know what that would have been like but you're obviously now on the other side Mm -hmm. and I'm proud of you thank you (laughs) um with that being said 
Norma has been featured in two magazine articles, which I am going to link in the description of this episode because I thought they were both extremely interesting. And that's when <laughs> I literally hit her up right away because I knew I wanted to do an episode with you from mm. the moment we met. But I think these articles, I was like, mm, this girl's doing things. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Um, but one was on Elle magazine and you kind of touched on that and, you know, your ex and kind of speaking up for yourself. Um, and then the second one was on Refinery29 talking about essentially like getting with a polyamorous couple so I kind of want to get your take on both Mm -hmm. because obviously the Elle magazine one was a couple of years ago and it's more about your story of what happened with your ex so do you think from that time when you told your story and him stalking you and all of the above up to refinery where you're 100% being open, feeling vulnerable again, and feeling safe with this couple that you met. How was it transitioned for you from that period of time to now, again, be sex positive, which I know we spoke about a little bit in the beginning, but they're both very interesting pieces. Yeah, well, I think I, you know, I've been sharing my story for a few years now, and... The L one was, like, one of the first times that I actually mm-hmm. wrote it all out in an article. You know what I mean? Like, I've t- I've been on, like, some podcasts and, and had, like, talked about it and told the story. But that was, like, the first time it was in a written like, form, written. like, mm-hmm. in my words. Um, but I definitely have kind of always been, like, well, I don't want to just tell the story of my trauma forever facts right like I don't want to just become this story of like the girl who was stalked and had her ex post her naked pictures um I think part of reclaiming it is through like the work I do and to talk about how I've made it an empowering thing but like I don't know I just I don't always want to talk about my ex right right right. um so the refinery 29 one was a much it was really different because I got to open up in different ways. So to give some background on that, um, so I, I give I wrote this article about how non-monogamy has helped me heal as a survivor of stalking and non-consensual uh, dissemination of my intimate images. Um, but the first time I ever had a threesome, it was like a drunk threesome like right right. you know um with a girlfriend and a guy that I knew and and it just kind of happened and I was like oh this is a lot of fun Mm -hmm. you know I think I'm I'm interested in this like definitely I'm attracted to women still wasn't like using the word bisexual because I wasn't sure I just like knew I liked having sex with women right right um and me and this girl had a, actually a couple of three, different three, threesomes, and they were a lot of fun. And then pandemic happened. And Tough times. Yeah. <laughs> Tough times. <laughs> By the beginning of the pandemic, I had opened up my dating apps to both men and women. I matched with this woman, and um, we started messaging, but then it was the pandemic, so we couldn't meet up, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then finally, at the end of that summer, we did. And so we went on a date. And so that was my first 
date with a couple, and it was surprising. Wait, they were both together. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um, I think she came and met me first because he was running late or something from work, but um, it was like surprisingly comfortable, mm-hmm. like super just natural and. Um, I don't know. I just felt like, okay, these people are cool. And like, I'm definitely attracted to them. And, you know, we went from the date to their place on their rooftop having drinks. And then finally they're like, do you want to come down? And I was like, yeah. (laughs) Um, and so then we had our threesome and then we had many more after that. And they're still really good friends of mine. And, um, they're still in my life and they were the first couple I met but I ended up meeting a couple a, a few different ones I think three in total and all of them are still in my life <laughs> I love that way so you've created out of all of these experiences you've created a lot of friendships too oh yeah like you talk to them about random things yeah I'm and assuming. they're like the people who will show up like when I'm giving a talk or like at an you know doing oh, an event so like cute. yeah yeah it's really really sweet um so like a lot of my close friends are actually from dating us <laughs> that's hilarious actually (laughs) um but I'm glad it panned out that way and no one's like hiding from each other or it created some sort of toxic situation because I think there is like some stigma obviously with one polyamory um and two being open because people are like you know a lot of insecurities and jealousy obviously can come Mm -hmm. up from that and I'm sure you can probably speak more on that or what you've seen from other folks. Um, but people are like, oh, but what if we're open and then, you know, so-and-so leaves me? Or, oh, I'm too jealous. Or, you know, what if this other person's more good-looking than me? So right. I think, like, it brings out a lot of jealousy and insecurity for... I'm going to use the everyday folk <laughs> term here. Um, but it seems like the people who are able to, you know, fit this into their lives are people who are extremely secure of themselves. They're confident in their relationship. And like you say, they're able to communicate very clearly. Yeah. And yeah, the communication is the biggest thing. I mean, I through the couples that I've dated, like, I, I've seen very different dynamics within all of them, and to me, it was, like, kind of fun to, like, just learn the dynamics between the two, and, like, the energy, you know, like, if one couple is newer to it, you know, then we're being a little bit more careful, like, I mean, I always, like, tread carefully, because I'm, like, I never want to make any person who's in a relationship feel uncomfortable about right. anything that's going on. Um, but at the same time, they need to communicate about, to me, like, what their boundaries are. Correct. Right. Um, so that's been really interesting to me. And it was actually, that's, like, one thing that was really healing for me. I mean, I've been single since I broke up with my ex mm-hmm. eight years ago. And I was very anti-relationship for a really long time. Um, I was just like anti-commitment. I'm like, that sounds completely suffocating, you know? And 
it really, I, th I think over the years that wore off a little bit, the feeling of suffocation, but still not really. Like, it was still scary to think of being in a relationship, and it still kind of is. Um, but dating couples allowed me to, one, get, like, a really intimate view of different relationship structures you were studying also the same time. <laughs> yeah. You were I was studying. studying. I was studying. <laughs> yeah. Um, taking it back to in my a therapist. Good way. Yeah, in a good yeah. way. No, in a good way. But, like, I, it was, like, really eye-opening for me to see that, like, each one of these couples, they're mm -hmm. all open, right? But they all do it differently. And there's a different energy with each of the couples. And I'm like, oh, they all really do make their own rules. Like, I can do that, too, with someone. You know, it right. doesn't, a relationship doesn't have to look one way. But question for you. Yeah. They communicate to you their boundaries, but were you able to communicate your boundaries? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> because I think sometimes that's where the power dynamic, yeah. Sometimes, I'm not saying always. Again, this is from <clears throat> accounts of people that I might have known in the past. <laughs> um... <laughs> I think a lot of the times the power structure laid more with the two people. Because, I mean, already they are in a relationship. They're making decisions <clears throat> together. So that can outweigh of whatever the third, fourth, fifth person boundaries may be or their communication may be. Mm -hmm. So do you think you have power in these situations? Power, it's hard or like, I don't know, one, like, decision-making or, like, are you able to communicate your boundaries? Yeah. So, I definitely feel like I can communicate my boundaries. However, like, as a single person entering into this kind of thing with a couple. And, like, when I say entering into, I don't mean, like, getting in a throuple, right? Like, right, being right. their girlfriend. Like, that's no, not right, what right, I was right. doing. Right. But, I mean, it, it comes with an understanding that, like that their priority is each other, mm -hmm. right? So, like, no, it's not going to be equal. But right. I'm also not seeking the same the things. The equality part of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not seeking the same things that I would seek from my partner if I were dating one person. That makes sense. So, in that sense, it allowed for even more, like, intimacy and allowed us to get closer because... We all knew that they, we were there for sex. Right. And that's it. We knew the mission. Yeah. <laughs> and then the friendships formed after, oh, you know? Oh, that's cute, yeah. Um, just through, like, hanging out and going on dates and, like, liking each other as people. And now I would say, like, yeah, I've, I have relationships with these people. And it may not be, like, official, you know? Like, no, it may but not be romantic. Right. But they're still relationships in their own way. That are sexual and also, like, a friendship. But there's, like, an emotional thing there, too. But it's still not the same thing as, like, a romantic relationship right. in the sense of, like, being poly or um, having right. a boyfriend or girlfriend. Right. Know? There's more commitment there when it comes to, like, those, like, that person's feelings. Right. You know, like, being able to text them every single morning, making sure they're okay in every single aspect. Like, I can see that. Yeah. Being different. Yeah. But it's still, like, because we're not, like, I'm not expecting those things from these people. Like, 
I feel like it's kind of allowed for even more, you know, one of like one of the women in, in one of the couples, she, I had been talking to her, I was like feeling kind of depressed. And then she like told her boyfriend to go take me on a date. <laughs> to make me feel better and you know so it's like that kind of thing where it's like they still show that they care a lot and that and it's like we just want to be in each other's lives still and that's really it and if it was something that I felt was uncomfortable or unfair in some way like not being totally equal doesn't mean unfair if we, like, come into it knowing what we're getting ourselves into. That makes sense. Yeah. Like, setting the expectations for yourself and what you're getting out of the situation. Yeah. And, like, I, like, I have to be honest with myself throughout that whole thing and check in with myself. And if there's something that I'm not comfortable with, mm. then, like, yeah, I got to speak up. Right, right. Um, and thankfully, all of the people that I've involved myself with are I think that they're receptive you know um and they care like they don't want me to feel like mm-hmm. um you know disposable right right that's a good word not not good but yeah, yeah it's yeah, a good yeah. word to describe <laughs> yeah yeah but at the end of the day they're right. each other's person and and I don't I don't even want you know I almost like I don't want to be considered like an equal because then I would feel like am I threatening their relationship <laughs> And that's not what I'm trying to do either. Right. No. Like, if I'm there for the two of you, then it's it's the two of you. (laughs) Correct. Correct. Okay. So, I guess to close on this part, um, I mean, this has been an amazing conversation. (laughs) And I cannot wait for this to come out. Um, Love it. Thanks for coming. Uh, (laughs) But I want to have my Oprah moment from the Meghan Markle interview where you silent or were you silenced (laughs) um (laughs) so just going back for a last time Uh on the refinery 29 article and your you know lifestyle with sex positivity and hanging out with couples all of this stuff do you feel a lot freer now that you're able to choose what you want to do with these folks oh yeah and I started going out on more one-on-one dates since I started dating couples, too. Yay! Because it actually made me more mm-hmm. open. I was like, okay, like, I can see I can see this. Like, the idea of a relationship, like I said, after being stalked, it's like, when you have someone who's on top of you constantly, and it's like, you're just trying to get away, and all they're doing is trying to pull you back... It's scary, yeah. The last thing you want is to feel like you owe somebody a response. That, you know, you have to consider another person, you know, in every decision. Like, Mm -hmm. the thought of that was very, very scary. Um, I lost my train of thought. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, So the thought of that was really scary. And... It was through developing these really intimate relationships and and being open to connection that I was able to do that with people one on one. Um, and so yeah, I've I've continued dating. I I still don't have like a partner or anything, but like it's just been nice, and I feel like I'm on my own journey with it. And mm-hmm. when that person comes, they come. I think that. Wow there's not many like I don't think that there's many people I'm compatible with but 
like, I know that there's that person. Uh, what do you mean by that? Um, well, I definitely consider myself to be non-monogamous or, like, want some form of a non-monogamous relationship. I also... I don't know what it's what I'm going to be like in a relationship. Like, I haven't been in a relationship since I was 19 years old. I don't know what adult I've been in your shoes. Like. <laughs> I know, I've been in your shoes, too. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I, I do think that when it happens, it's going to be an adjustment. And, like, I'm going to need someone who has patience. Right. And actually, what one of the guys who's in one of the couples told me, he... He saw, he was like, you need someone who can kind of, like, keep the excitement going sometimes, even if you're, like, busy and sometimes, like, not showing as much, like, your enthusiasm about, about it. Like, you mm-hmm. need someone who can handle that. Right. And is willing to, like, be like, okay, let's plan something, you know, because I get very wrapped up in my work I get wrapped up in my you know the other like writing and like advocacy that I do and to be honest like if I'm having like bad PTSD or anxiety like in general I will just not answer my text messages like I'm really bad with it and so like sometimes it's like it's not out of not having interest that I don't respond it's just my way of handling it Mm -hmm. and so that's something I've I've been working on too, but um, it's been interesting to see that too. That like someone I'm dating is like, yeah, this is something you need in a partner. <laughs> like I can tell as someone who's dating you. Well, it's kind of good because yeah. I feel like now you're again going back to the studying. You've and I'm a nerd, and I've said this a thousand times <laughs> on this podcast, but I'm like I can see even in your behavior and your stories that from your experience in the past or your traumatic experience that you've been able to, in your healing process, understand how you're going to move forward with your wants, with your boundaries, what you're looking for in life in general. Mm -hmm. Like you obviously gain a great job from that Mm -hmm. in terms of dating, you're learning what you need and also like what that person should expect from you. So I think in my opinion, all of these experiences sound like you're only getting closer to whoever that person is. Yeah. Slide into her DMs. <laughs> Slide. Yeah, if you think you're that person who can handle everything I just said, then yeah. I mean, I can see you with... I don't know. I'm, oh, God. This is taking me back to my Rutgers days. Oh, God. <laughs> Not in a bad way. I mean, Rutgers gets such a bad rep, but there were so many, like, subcultures of Rutgers, if that makes sense. But I'm thinking of, I don't know, like, a very progressive man, but who's not, like, a snob. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to explain yeah. it, but you probably know what I'm talking no, about. No, that's... I do know what you're talking about. That's, like, down to earth, but, like, gets it. It's cool with, like... But doesn't, like, treat you like you don't know anything. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. Because there's some of those that they're, like, oh, I'm so liberal. I'm so open. But then they will want to let you know that every five seconds. Yeah, yeah. Or it's, like, they're... They're open until it's the woman that they're interested in saying, like, oh, yeah, I actually want to sleep with this other guy, you know? Right. Wait, so so another question that popped into my brain. 
how do you feel? And I feel like I know the answer. But how do you feel about, let's say, heterosexual men who wants to, you know, like maybe hook up with you and be in a relationship with you, but he's only willing to be open if you guys have a threesome with woman? Like no other men. It just has to be woman. Yeah. See, like, I don't know. I'm not like 100% gonna say like, nope, (laughs) you know? Right. Like my thoughts as a single person is that like, I don't want to have that restriction because I also like, I, the thought of like, if my partner, my potential imaginary partner was going on vacation and he's with his boys, like, I want him to enjoy himself. Like, do what you want. Just be safe. Um, that's how I see it because it's not threatening to me at all. And it's just a fun experience that you could have. And so I want that same thing extended, but I I could understand not, that's not for everybody. And like, I don't know, who knows? I might fall in love and be like, yeah, it's fine. Like, I don't really need to fuck other guys, but, (laughs) um, but I, I definitely will. I mean, I, as a bisexual woman and I, I see myself with a male, like life, like partner. Primary, yeah, yeah. Although I'm, I'm open, but that's just what I see for my, my future. But I will never be okay with giving up, like having sex with women. Okay. Well, that answers the question. I think <laughs> at least, like you said, like in your single self, and maybe you can like reconsider that later on when this person comes along. Like it can again communication. It's can all, be a conversation. Yeah, it's like I said, it's all about making our own rules together. Love, yeah. love that. And I know we're slowly coming to the end, but I want to know. And you answer a little bit of this already, but what your dating life is like right now. Your job, your podcast, update us. My dating life is kind of dry right now, so... Slide in. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I, I... That's not, like, fully a joke. It's kind of true, but nothing really going on there. Um, still seeing some people that I, I've been seeing for a while, but um, other than that, work has been really great. I just came back from... Um, Miami, where I attended a conference for a global coalition of organizations, activists, lawyers, academics, etc., against image-based sexual abuse. So that was really cool to represent both myself and our law firm, CA Goldberg. And um, so I'm really excited about that and some interviews that will be coming from that from some of the people I, I met there from wow. all over the world, too. Like, it's it's really exciting. Um, so I just finished season one of Oral Arguments Podcast. Woo-hoo! Thank you. Um, <clears throat> so I would go check that out. And then I'm also recording, I'm starting to record uh, season two. So that will be coming later this spring, most likely at some point. Maybe at the end of March, if not early April. We love an ambitious queen. <laughs> You're doing it all. Thank you. Thank you. And graceful and beautiful doing it all. <laughs> well, so where can people find you and your podcast? And of course, I am going to link a lot of these resources. Yeah. I am going to link the law firm in case anyone who's listening feels like 
themselves or anyone in their lives needs this resource. There's also a really good book that you gave me. Mm-hmm. Let's just plug that in really quick. Yeah, so uh, it's Nobody's Victim by Carrie Goldberg. So she's my boss, like I said, was my <laughs> lawyer. We have um, another attorney on our staff, Annie, who is a lawyer and was our client as well. Uh, so Carrie's really like turning an We're army. Recruiting. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and our law firm is CA Goldberg Law. That's on all social media. It's also cagoldberglaw.com. We represent victims of sexual assault, stalking, image-based sexual abuse, and other forms of, of violence and um, tech-facilitated crime. So mm-hmm. uh, we've got some really big, interesting cases. So definitely follow along. And then for me, um, on Twitter, Norma Buster, Instagram, Norma Buster underscore, and Oral Arguments Podcast on Instagram. And wherever you listen to podcasts, just search Oral Arguments amazing well thank you for all of that again i am going to link everything in the description so y'all can do some research (laughs) and you know stay in touch with you and thank you for coming thank you for having me bye